Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served the Valley for decades. They always find you the right insurance at the best price. I don't care if it's auto, home, life, business insurance. They're the experts. Constantly updating. Constantly looking for the best deal for you. And if there's a claim, customer service is number one with them. They go to work as if it happened to them. They're your insurance guardians. It is Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Minnesota beat Penn State when Lamar Stevens' shot was about an inch or two to the right. Then lost on a tough shot by Charles Matthews at the end. Last night they beat Iowa. Working on coffee. Good D by Amir. Here's a ball that's tipped, stolen away. Here comes McBrayer. Lobs it up for Amir and another dunk. Gophers by 14. 68. 54. Crowd comes to its feet. And my good friend always does a great job. Mike Grimm on the Minnesota Radio Network. By the way, the Hall of Fame vote is this week. Peter King, thoughtful column today. And I don't know if you, I guess it's football in America. And he was writing because he has one of the 48 votes. And he thinks Johnny Robinson, and I thought Johnny Robinson was a fabulous safety in that Kansas City Chiefs defense. In fact, it's uh, in the 50th season of the Chiefs championship. Johnny Robinson had a big interception, one or two in that game in the Super Bowl. He was always good. And who's the other veteran? Oh, Gil Brandt. Gil Brandt should be in the Hall of Fame. And then of those who would be of a more modern era uh he thinks ed reed and ed reed was a was an awesome safety and tony gonzalez are getting in after that he says it's a guessing game and uh part of that uh, guessing game includes a couple of former steelers like alan fanica being one he'd be in that guessing game the old Jet Center, Kevin Mawai, Steve Hutchinson, played mostly with the Viking, and uh, Steve Atwater, John Lynch, Ty Law, Don Coriel, Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey's another guy I think has a pretty good shot. I always liked Champ Bailey. I thought he was really, really good. Never gave me the Herb Adderley feeling, but still, I thought he was really, really good. So that's coming up this week. And when they're done picking the Hall of Famers on Saturday and announcing the results, we then concentrate on Sunday. 
Rams and uh, oh, who's the team they're playing? Sean, help me here. Who are the Rams playing Sunday? I think they've been there before. Uh, be the Patriots. The, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Be the Patriots. Yeah, Patriots. Yes. Yeah. Andrew Callahan joins us from MassLive.com. Andrew, welcome. Always good to be back with you, Steve. Thanks for the invite. Uh, let's uh, start with uh, this. Uh, I've only covered one Super Bowl media day. I don't know what they call it tonight. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> right? And yeah, I'm the, with you. Right? The only time I was there, it was, you know, you had a lot, obviously, everybody who covers the NFL all the time, like the Peter Kings of the world and so forth. Uh, but then you also have some of the sideshows. And I was talking to Michael Robinson, the one I covered, and all of a sudden this guy s- comes up with a microphone and a TV camera. It was Hank Azera. I thought, oh, my goodness, Mo from Mo's Taverns here. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> how interested are you in how this part plays out? Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm going to try to do as much work as I can during the Rams session, which is first tonight. I believe it's about 7 to 8, and the Patriots go on about 9 to 10, uh, so that I can enjoy the spectacle. But but it's definitely something, because I know you have people from all over the world. You have some actors in there. You have people goofing around in a while. It's like very difficult to get real kind of reporting done. Um, I think everyone understands that's not why we're there. So especially for someone who's been around the team, you do have to sit back and kind of appreciate it, because, um, you know, it is it's a unique night. And be prepared for the star of stars. It's it's, it's Deion Sanders. When Deion Sanders comes in, is there because NFL Network will be there. He's got a flock around him. It's it's amazing. I mean, he is very charismatic, and and they enjoy it. Uh, the Patriots in the trenches. What has allowed them to be so good in the trenches, especially the last six weeks on both sides of the ball? Well, it's funny you, you asked that because this morning I unveiled a ranking of all the Patriots who have been on the 53-man roster this year, ranked 70 to number one in terms of their importance to this Super Bowl run. Brady obviously was number one, but three of the top ten were their interior linemen, left guard Joe Tooney, center David Andrews, right guard Shaq Mason. They've been together since 2015 when they were uh, most rookies. They're ascending young players now reaching their physical prime. I think the part where you've seen um, them adjust in terms of the rushing success is not only those guys leading the way, but the fact that they've had to shift their identity since Josh Gordon left. And they worked out some kinks against Buffalo and the Jets, rolled over the Chargers and Chiefs, but they said, listen, we acknowledge this is the strength of our offense, strange as that is without Tom Brady. So it's been a full commitment from the coaching staff to lean on them, and then those guys doing what they've done all year, which is really be top ten players at their respective positions. There are actually several members of Bill Belichick's staff that have been with him a long time, double-digit years. Now, they may have left briefly along the way, but then come back like a Josh McDaniels. But Dante Scarnecchia, for example, what has that guy meant to the development of what we see from the Patriots and to Bill Belichick? I mean, it's meant everything because this is a position group that ranks 26th in the league in terms of total salary. So these are not high draft picks rolling in. You had their left tackle, Trent Brown, their newest member, a right tackle in San Francisco, a fifth-round pick. Before that was in Florida and before that, Juco. So he's always had the size but never the tools. And so Scar, as he's known around here, is really known for developing and harnessing that kind of talent. It took a little bit with Brown, but as he started to come around, along with those young guys in the middle, mid-round picks in Tooney and Mason, and then David Andrews, their center, undrafted out of Georgia, just around the corner here, that's when everything came together. So he has been the most important assistant uh, and a non-coordinator position of the Belichick era, and there's no doubt about it. Now let's get to the defensive part of it. What has their secondary meant to the front seven? It's well, similar. 
similarly, it's meant almost everything. I mean, you look at the front seven to start, and Trey Flowers, the defensive end, is really the only guy who can win snap after snap against a run pass, primarily a run defender. Now he's developed more of a pass rush skills. He's had a sack in seven of his last eight games. But no one else can say anything close to that. Back in the secondary, Stephon Gilmore's been an all-pro from start to finish. He's been the Patriots' best player this season. And J.C. Jackson really started to come on in early December, an undrafted rookie uh, out of Maryland and before then Florida. And what he's done is been able to follow different targets and receivers just like Gilmore has. Typically, Gilmore will take the number one wide receiver. But you saw Jackson, even in the AFC Championship game, shadow Travis Kelsey for three quarters. I don't know how many players in the NFL, let alone undrafted rookies, you would be able to say, hey, you see 87? Go get that guy. He's an all-pro and hold him to two catches. Now, Gilmore did have to take over in the fourth quarter of that game to slow down Kelsey. But Jackson's emergence has given them two lockdown cornerbacks and then that sets up time for everything else from a pass defense standpoint. Well, I know everybody, you know, we can talk about Brady uh, for long periods of time here, but to me, if I'm going to pick out a position group, that's the difference in the game, is that I just think the Patriots' secondary is just much better than the Rams, and I don't even think it's close, to be frank with you. Yeah, and it's, it's difficult, too, because I think the Patriots have a stiffer test against the Rams receivers than the Rams will face in the Patriots wideouts, which is really how those matchups are going to unfold. But right. they've definitely been outstanding. Devin McCourty, obviously, been the foundation of that secondary since 2010, made a couple of Pro Bowls himself. He has also come on from midseason struggles and provided all of the double teams that you've seen on guys like, just again, back in the AFC Championship game, Tyree Kill. He was followed by two corners who mm-hmm. were uh, a seventh-round pick and an undrafted guy who were quick, and that's why they drew Hill. But deep, you need someone over the top. That was McCourty. He does a lot of coordination back there. So as much as we tout Gilmore and Jackson for winning one-on-one, McCourty tying everything together and then preventing any deep plays from happening, Patriots are the second-best deep ball defense in the league this year, it is also just as important. All right. Uh, the, the Brady factor, obviously, in here. We know the Rams can run the ball. Have the Patriots done enough running the football to allow Tom Brady to be effective the way he needs to be? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you saw in the last two uh, touchdown drives they had there against the Chiefs to win the game, and what you'll notice from those two drives was also the fact that they had Rex Burkhead come along, which, you know, I just mentioned the rankings. I had 1-70, to 70, who's played a bigger role. Rex Burkhead still checked mm-hmm. in at just 34 for me. Sure. What he provided the Patriots in those instances were not only the opportunity to rush the ball straight ahead, but catch the ball out of the backfield. And when you look at their two other backs, Sonny Michelle, the rookie, and James White, they really only specialize in running and catching, respectively. So, for Brady, they've done a and what it does is set up the play action, which is really the only area uh, in which they can generate those deep shots, and I'd say it's probably the same for the Rams. So as much as we do like to focus on the running games and it's how both of these teams got here, the deciding play through the air will be off of play action with Brady and Goff looking deep. Tell us what Rob Gronkowski has meant as a blocker in this offense, not just as a receiver, but his ability to block and be committed to it. Yeah, he's been outstanding in that regard and really in his whole career. I mean, I was I was laughing. I want to say laughing like out loud, but just kind of chuckling with a few writers who it seems like a lot of people have now discovered that Gronk has been so good with his blocking because he, he was so effective at it in the divisional round of game against the Chargers and, of course, later in the year. But he's always been good. And so yep. for him now, that is definitely his strength because he just doesn't have the explosion off the line. I had defenders tell me on opposing teams that basically you get him at the line, he's stumbling out, and then it's game over. So they know how to defend him as a receiver. 
receiver, but as a blocker, he had one of his best games ever against the Chargers. I detailed about it, and that's really why he's still in there as that tight end because it's almost like a six offensive lineman sometimes. Michelle's been very good, so have the lineman we already talked about, but having a guy like him who you can handle defensive ends and outside linebackers without any worry about it has been huge for the Patriots. Uh, about midseason, Brady was 2.8 seconds on release in the playoff game against Kansas City and against the Chargers. He averaged about 2.33. What's that a product of? Is it a product of of uh, how he's approached it, or is it also being smart on pre-snap? Yeah, he, he's always been smart on pre-snap. I think there are a number of factors at play there, and, and some of them are definitely the personnel around him. In the first four weeks of the season, his top targets were Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett. So they were not able to get consistent separation, which resulted in losses at Jacksonville and Detroit, which means Brady's holding on to the ball and taking sacks. Then that gets better when Edelman and Gordon come back. But again, with Gordon, those are longer developing plays. So even though Brady has better weapons, they're still looking downfield. So once Gordon leaves in December, then you really return to the roots of this offense and when Brady even started his career, which is getting the ball to guys who are excellent in space. So it's a lot more Edelman in those short motion uh, coming when the ball is snapped and he's lined up behind another receiver so he can't get jammed or they'll have screens or the play action passes we just mentioned. So it's, it's a, a change in personnel but also just realizing we've got to play to those strengths because obviously you want to win one-on-one and avoid the pass rush, but that's really the best and only thing we can do right now. Trust also comes into play with this. With I don't care if it's a coach as to who they picked a player or a quarterback as to which direction they think they can win a matchup. What has Julian Edelman returning and then getting back into form meant for the trust of Tom Brady? Uh, it's been critical because James White, uh, who we just mentioned, you know, he, he's played on um, about, I want to say, 54% of the snaps, and easily 85 to 90% of those have been passes. So while Brady trusts White like he does Edelman, it's a real tell for the Patriots to what they're going to do. Whereas when you have a guy like Edelman, be out there in one receiver set, two receiver set, three receiver set, and you're not sure how the Patriots are going to, you know, attack post snap. Um, now for Edelman, again, you saw it on that final drive against Kansas City two third and ten conversions, one third down conversion on the drive prior to go ahead with 34 seconds left. So Brady's trust is, is the most valuable thing in this offense, and to have him back in addition to White has been critical because it gives them balance and an ability to remain unpredictable. How do you see Sunday playing out? Whew, great question. Uh, you know, it's funny because we get so in the weeds on the matchups and the details and everything, and when you look back at the history of the Patriots, every single Super Bowl they played in, win or loss, has been thrilling. So I think that's the only default response I'm going to have for the next few days. It's just it's going to be a one-score game. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter, and there are things we're not going to be able to expect that are going to unfold and decide this game. I would lean Patriots at this point. I think most people are. I think the spread last time I checked it was two-and-a-half points. But it's it's just going to be an outstanding game in a great environment, and two teams that really are in their way here. Yeah, the, I think one of the things will be if, if the Rams at some point decide that they need to run a trick play, you just sense the Patriots are the one team out there that's going to be actually prepared when they do it. Oh, for sure. And, you know, they, you know Belichick, it's funny, I, I wrote a post on this uh, last week, his affection for the Rams punter, Johnny Hecker, who's been very good, gone to the uh, name of the all-pro team four times. He calls him a weapon, and that's because Hecker can legitimately throw when they're fake punting or he can rush. So I would not be surprised to see them do that. And even if the Patriots are prepared for it, succeed. And on the flip side, uh, the Patriots, of course, are going to be able and willing to do that too. And they had a flea flicker almost to win the AFC title game last yeah. Sunday. So right. uh, it should be it should be a lot of fun. Andrew, always a pleasure. Enjoy this, okay? It's the first of maybe many for you. Enjoy it. Hey, thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. We'll do. 
great to have you with us on the show today. Thanks to Andrew Callahan, MassLive.com. I know that's what the audience was clamoring for. They wanted more Patriots talk. They can't get enough of the Patriots. All right, maybe not. Sean can't get enough Patriots talk. Well, it's just the, it's the, the reality is setting in. It's the last football game till September. So you just got to soak it in, savor it. Oh, come on. You, you'll be watching the Alliance of American Football. I probably will. Oh, you're going to love this. Speaking of that, speaking of that, suit gets a hold of our lovely former colleague, Sarah Bartlett, who's out in San Diego. Because mm-hmm. Suits asking me which team should I root for in this new league? Well, he's going to root for the San Diego Fleet, and I guess he got in contact with uh, Sarah Bartlett to uh, send him a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you and I didn't get a hat. I know. You and I ended up with nothing. Well, I think I'm going to go with the. Uh, I think the team I'm going to root for is out of Arizona because we've had Phil Savage on the show. And, Rick and I New- like Rick. And, yeah. and we've had Rick on the show, yeah, too. Yeah, Rick Neuheisel is going to run the team and Phil's the GM, so I'm going to, I'm, I think I'm going to cheer for Arizona. I wonder if we can get a Hot Shots hat. Yeah. That'd be great. Hot Shot swag? Come on. I'll be honest with you. I will watch some of the Alliance of American Football. Quite a few games yeah. are going to be on, too. Either They're going to bounce between CBS Sports Network and regular CBS. Yeah. I'll watch some of it. Sure. Um, it's fine by me. But that'll start the week after the Super Bowl. All right. Uh, let's see. We've done a lot of Penn State basketball. Obviously, wrestling has the Jordan Center event coming up on Friday night. We will have Jeff Byers on the show on Friday. So we do have that confirmed. The uh, Of course, the Super Bowl Sunday. We've done a lot with that. Next half hour, we'll talk with Matt Leon, get some Philly on the Eagles, the Sixers, and the Phillies. We'll talk to him about that. Um, and uh, then we'll go from there. I think the biggest difference in this game, as they told Andrew Callahan, it's quite simple. I think the... Patriots secondary is much, much better than the Rams secondary. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't... The difference between the two secondaries is dramatic. Aqib Talib uh, is really good. Well, when he's Talib, not well when he's not on the field, though, it definitely, okay. it, they fall back for sure. Talib is really good. Yeah. Talib is really good. <laughs> Talib is really good. Everybody else? Marcus Peters does a lot of hand motions for incomplete when he has nothing to do with the play. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Matt Leon, next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto Home Life Business. Whatever the insurance may be, they'll find the insurance to make sure you're completely covered. They'll do updates whenever needed because they're always researching and looking. They're always going to find you the best price because they know your budget is critical to you just as it is to them. And if there's a claim, they will go to work on it as if it happened to them, because guess what? When you sign up with Purdy Insurance, they now become your partners. Customer service is number one. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. All right. uh, Let's get to... Philadelphia. We'll bring in Matt Leon from KYW. Great to have you with us, Matt. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing very well. Okay. Uh, I don't think anybody was surprised because it didn't take long in the regular season when Carson Wentz was available to go with him. But the fact that Doug Peterson straight out said, look, this is our guy moving forward. Your thoughts on that? No, I think that's the the direction you you have to go. Uh, I think I don't think Wentz was ever 100% this year when you kind of put look at the whole thing and, you know, he came back and played well for the most part. But I think you, a lot of times when you have a catastrophic knee injury like that, you need more than a season. Exactly. To, you know, you can get back and be healthy. But to get back to where you were prior to the injury, uh, I think we'll see that come back this training camp. And I think maybe just at the point where he was finally maybe kind of hitting his stride, I would think that back thing – started to was probably an issue and would explain a lot of the slow starts and the the mobility problems that we saw uh so assuming he's going to be healthy from that and everything points to that uh i think it's an intriguing question and it's a great discussion point but i don't think realistically you move off of of a once here uh now they're in an interesting position to see uh, how they attack the you know the the situation with falls because uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting uh, needle to thread 
uh, if you're going to try to to move, just let him go as a free agent. But or if you're going to try to work something out with the trades, you get compensation. It'll be fascinating to see how it breaks down. Which brings me to the next part. Say Foles is not a member of the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's gone someplace else. Do they have enough confidence that Nate Sudfeld is good enough to be a backup? Um, I think so. You've heard for a couple of years here. They've worked really hard to, you know, keep Sudfeld. Uh, last year they worked hard to keep him. Uh, I think they really legitimately and genuinely think highly of him. Um, I don't know that in a perfect world he'd be the number two, but I don't think they would be panicked at all if that's how it played out. Uh, I, I like I said, I think he's got a lot of similarities. Uh, physical-wise to fold. He might actually be a... He's probably a bit more athletic as far as running the football, stuff like that. Uh, now, we've seen very limited, you know, a handful of plays and stuff like that, but you know, you've heard for the last couple of years a lot of people talking, you know, kind of uh, on the record and, and just chatter that they genuinely are very high on, on Nate Sudfeld, so it wouldn't surprise me uh, if he uh, ends up being the number two. All right, now let's shift to basketball for a moment. Anthony Davis flat out told the Pelicans, hey, look, this is it. Trade me. Would the Sixers be interested and how high the cost? Um, I think you're always interested when a player like that, you know, is possibility of coming together. Uh, I would be, I'm not smart enough X and O wise to know how difficult it would be to have a Davis next to a Joel Embiid and how. Uh, now, obviously, you would find a way to make it work, sure. uh, but I don't know. I think uh, I think you probably had the discussion. I would think the the price is probably too high, unless you end up doing something where you can move, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, because you're still maybe on the fence of his long term viability here. Uh, but I don't know. I I don't know that it's real viable. I think it's neat to talk about, but I'd be stunned if anything happened. Why hasn't Jimmy Butler worked? Um, I don't say I wouldn't say that it hasn't worked. I just would say that it hasn't been maybe quite as smooth as people thought. I think Jimmy Butler's a very strong personality and I don't but I don't also think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think most of the discussions you hear where you know, you hear these flare ups and stuff like that it's him really pushing because he wants to win. Now, maybe he could be a little bit more of a, you know, kind of deal with it dip, and get dip, along, but that's just not how he's <laughs> Yeah, he's just not Yeah, he's just not wired that way. Uh, but I think his it's all pointing in the right direction. It might just not be uh, the way people are used to. But I think on the court, you know, you've got three stars and Got three guys that are used to having the ball. Now Ben Simmons obviously is a facilitator, but you know these are three guys that are used to being the focus with Embiid, Simmons, uh, and Butler. It takes some time. I will, and I'm not necessarily drawing the comparison, but remember a couple of years ago when the Cavaliers had three stars and they were a 500 team till yeah. about Christmas, and they wondered what's happening. Well, it takes some time to get everybody to feel a role and feel comfortable. I think you're kind of the same thing with the Sixers. It would not surprise me if they really hit the ground running once uh, you know, the, everybody really gets healthy and, and gets comfortable. Uh, but I would I would say it's an incomplete. I wouldn't say it's an Which does bring me... It hasn't worked yet. 
that does bring me to the next question about this team. And I'm not talking about winning the NBA title because in looking at the NBA title, Golden State, now that Cousins is playing, they're even better now than they were when they started the season. Do the Sixers, in your opinion, have, with no changes, say things state status quo, do they have enough to win the East? Um, I think they've got enough to probably get to the conference finals. Right now, if you're giving me the roster they have right now, I don't know that they're quite deep enough. Okay. I think they need one or two guys uh, at the you know a seventh, eighth man in to uh, that they can give them consistent minutes scoring uh, and defense. Now, I think they've got some – there's some wild cards here. Uh, you know, the, the rookies, Zaire Smith, who we haven't seen yet uh, – you know, he could be working his way back in a few weeks. Could he be that guy? Um, I know we're talking about the roster they have now. I would fully expect them to, you know, look uh, as the deadline comes and some stuff at that time. Like so, Bellinelli last year, and I would expect him to do the same thing. Uh, Corey Brooks been a shot in the arm, uh, and since they signed him to a couple of ten-day contracts. Uh, could he help lengthen the roster, stuff like that? Uh, so right now, as they're as they are built right now, I don't know that they got enough to get to the finals, but I could definitely see them getting to the conference finals. And maybe if you add uh, one or two more solid pieces, then we're having that discussion of playing into mid June. Do the Phillies have any more meetings scheduled, either Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? Not anything uh, that you've heard of. I. I, at this point, everybody kind of knows where everybody stands. I can't imagine that there's much more uh, that either side can present. Uh, I think we're just – everybody is just waiting for one person to make a decision, and then you're going to just see the dam break, and you're going to see uh, all kinds of, of moves. I still – I think that the longer this is drug out, I think the better it's been, it is for the Phillies. I think they will end up with one of them. Uh, but we will – wait and see, because uh, I, I I, literally don't know what there's left to talk about with this until something right. happens. Exactly. Everybody's waiting for that one to then break the log jam. Uh, very quickly, Roy Halliday has decided, Roy Halliday's family has decided uh, no cap. His son, Braden, by the way, will start at Penn State here in September, or I think he's going to start here this summer, maybe June 30th, Braden Halliday's coming here. Uh, what was the feeling in Philadelphia when they found out that he got into the Hall of Fame? Oh, a lot of people were thrilled. Uh, obviously, it's bittersweet given sure. Roy's uh, early, untimely passing, but uh, he meant a lot to our probably the greatest stretch of Phillies baseball in, in franchise history. You look at those, you know, those five years where they won the five straight division titles. Obviously, won the one World Series, got back a second time. Uh, now he wasn't a part of those teams, but he was a big reason why they won the last couple of division titles. And frankly, was about as much fun to watch as any pitcher I've ever seen in my lifetime. And one of the the wildest experiences was covering his postseason no hitter. I still have never heard <laughs> Citizens Bank Park as loud as that night. Uh, so I think people were thrilled. Uh, that he got in. I don't think there was much there. I honestly, I think if you polled most people, they probably would have expected him to wear the Blue Jays hat. So I think uh, the no cap, uh, you know, was kind of a nod by the family to what his time in Philadelphia meant, that uh, it was on equal footing with his lengthy in Toronto. Mike Messina ended up doing the same thing. No cap. Hey, yeah. thanks so much, Matt. Appreciate it very much, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Sounds good. Always a pleasure. 
Matt Leon, KYW in Philadelphia. We'll come back, wrap it up in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. All right, welcome. Great to have you with us on the show today. Uh, and the uh, closing out for today, we'll have Neil Kulong on the show tomorrow. Get more of his take on. Uh, I can tell you what we're not going to get a take on. We are not going to get a take on the uh, Pro Bowl, really. But there was a point at one stage where I think, was it Mahomes? threw the ball over the middle to James Conner and it looked like it looked like the Kennedy compound in the 50s playing <laughs> touch football what, what, what are we doing here I flipped it on for a couple of minutes and saw the fourth quarter touchdown pass from uh, Dak Prescott to Hooper from the Falcons I, I saw that but that was about it but on a no, highlight pa- on a highlight package I did see a Jalen Ramsey touchdown catch that was kind of weird, seeing him on the other side of the ball. Oh, I the only I saw on highlights because I didn't see the game. I didn't watch it at all. Uh, that uh, Saquon Barkley was playing defense, and then on an interception took a lateral. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. You know, they play in the rain in Orlando. Look, the game has got to go back to Hawaii. You got to play the game. You got to play that game in Hawaii. First of all, that's where the players want to go. Perfect conditions last in. Thursday for the skills competition. By the way. Yeah, great. That that <laughs> that, that, that that draws nobody. Sure. <laughs> Look, I know they're trying to do whatever they can to spice this thing up. I got it. Hey, but they know darn well there's really nothing they can do to spruce it up. And I'm watching it. I'm like going, oh, look, I mean, Teddy just uh, two-hand touch on Bobby for a third down. Okay, it's like, great. <laughs> I understand nobody wants to get hurt. I get it. It's an exhibition game. I get it. The skills competition? Give me a break. It's not happening. I I I would watch the Pro Bowl a little bit over the years because it used to be the last game. And now I'm like, eh. I didn't watch any of it yesterday. Need zero. I guess what Jason Witten accidentally broke the Pro Bowl MVP trophy or the trophy or something like that, didn't he? In the post game, that's what somebody said. 
<clears throat> picked it up and kind of I mean, he didn't do it deliberately but I guess it, it broke that's not good that, 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 that's not good Well, we're waiting to see if there's any log jam broken in the baseball free agency thing, by the way. <clears throat> and it just makes you wonder when Scott Boris gets up in the morning if he just still thinks his client can get $400 million. <laughs> It's just not going to happen. As I pointed out a couple of times, essentially, even though baseball doesn't have a salary cap, it does have a number, and that's $206 million. Do you want to spend 17 20% on one guy? I mean, that's that's what you have to you have to ask yourself. Dick and Milton's with us. Hi, Dick. How are you today? Steve, I just wanted to comment. Well, your show was fairly interesting today in a sense that you went over, first you started with wrestling, went to basketball, went to money, went to men's, a bunch of stuff, and then Saturday sports and you know, and of course, you got to throw hockey into the mix too. Not that not that they play in either Rice Jordan or Rec Hall, but they're right there, and they play a lot of weekend games, obviously, and Friday Saturday games. But I was going to say, you went to, how many sports did you say? Pens thirty five, thirty four, thirty one. Oh, sorry, thirty one, and they have so few down in the southern areas. Do you think it will ever come to the thing if it's all if it's all about the finances that they would ever in a scholarship at Penn State that they would consider cutting sports some limiting them? Oh boy, that's a hard one. You know, and I I I go back and forth on that, Dick. And I know that overall, if you wanted to really throw a lot of money into certain sports, you could do that. But do I want to do that at the expense of scholarships that are right now giving some young people great opportunities? Because Penn State has 800 student-athletes that fall into that category of getting at least some form of aid, whether it's a full scholarship, a half, a quarter, whatever the number may be. And, I mean, Clemson, for example, I think Clemson's now at 18, 19 sports. They drop men's and women's swimming. So I, that's a hard question, Dick. And I mean, that when, is, you, when you think of the Big Ten, a lot of Big Ten schools don't have every sport that Penn State has. They just don't. Yeah, no, they don't. I mean, uh, I think Northwestern. I want to say Northwestern has either nineteen or twenty-one sports. So they've got fewer sports than anybody. And you're right. I mean, Ohio State has more. They're the only one that has more. The Big Ten has always prided itself on being, you know, broad-based sports. But, for example, let's take Wisconsin. Wisconsin, years ago, when Pat Richter was the athletic director, dropped baseball. They never brought it back. I mean, I see this in all kinds of conferences where every team doesn't participate in every sport. They just don't. I'm sure some of it's finances. I'm not sure. Maybe it's who knows why a school does anything. The other thing I didn't hear you mention today was women's basketball. For I don't even know the situation with them this year, if they're good, bad, or indifferent. They're okay this year. Um, Tania Page is really good. Amari Carter's really good. They're very guard-oriented. They picked up a win at Wisconsin last week, which was a plus. Uh, they lost yesterday to Rutgers, but Rutgers is very good. They're ranked 14th in the country. 
So I think that, uh, uh, you know, they've been doing okay. I know the recruiting class that she's bringing in is probably the best one she's brought in in three or four years. I feel really good about that. Uh, you know, and you talk about not having every sport. I mean, you love wrestling probably above all, maybe football, but you love wrestling. But, like, wrestling's a perfect example of what you're talking about. There's 65 Power 5 schools in the country for the five major conferences plus Notre Dame. Only 28 of the 65 have wrestling. Only 28. Yeah, I know. It's, you know, if you, it's, it's if you a take, hard sport to fill out. If you, if you take the Big Ten out, which has all 14, that's 51. There's only 14 of the 51 remaining that have wrestling. And I think a lot of people don't realize that because the Big Ten has everybody with wrestling. You take the Big Ten out of it, only 27, 28% of the Power 5 schools have the sport. Well, I'm not sure where it's going to go with anything. I mean, obviously, Penn State's football has to fund the percentage of the sports up there has to be of the athletic has to be phenomenal coming coming that football it has to be. Yeah, no, there's, uh, there's no question. That's why that's why when I talked earlier about the formula about men's basketball financially with its TV contracts, radio contract, attendance, revenue sharing, and so forth, and the revenue sharing from various different areas has to do its part. Football has to hit an average attendance number here. They need the seven home games here. I mean, it's all part of a very delicate formula that is needed here to make sure that a broad-based program gets enough funding to be competitive and really good in all the sports we're talking about. So it's far more delicate, I think, a balance than people realize, especially with what Penn State had to go through in the middle of this decade with the fines and the bridge loans and things like that. I hear your music, Steve. Hey, thanks. It was a good show today, by the way. Thanks. Dick, it was made better by you. Thanks so much. See you. Bye. See you, Dick. All right. Uh, Neil Kulon coming up tomorrow. Maybe Bob Euner, depending on the snow. We'll get a hold of Bob and find out. Buner. Buner, want to check in he, with you before I mean, heading to I New mean, Zealand. Let, let, let me put it to you this way. Buner would never call Sarah Bartlett and <laughs> beg for a hat. A New Zealand. Uh, maybe for rugby. I don't know. <laughs> Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.